0: People ask me, what do we do? I say, well, the best medical insurance you can have is a $1,000 airplane ticket to Bangkok, Thailand. It's like the Mayo Clinic of Asia. They've got one of the best hospitals in the world.
1: Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein.
2: Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we talk about retirement lifestyle, and OMG, I have two guests on the show today. So you get two for the price of one, or is it double trouble? I'll let you decide. I'm bringing Billy and Acacia Caterly on the show for a couple of reasons. They retired when they were 38. Yes, you heard that correctly. So they now have beat out Wendy Holt for being the youngest retiree on this show. Or should I use my new word, time shifter? You can read more about time shifting on the Rock Your Retirement website. Now, back to Billy and Acacia. They are expert in a lot of areas, so I'm going to let them explain that to you. But the reason I wanted to have them on my show is because of medical tourism. We're going to focus on that today, but we'll also talk about their website and their books before the end of the show. Billy, Acacia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank
0: you for having us.
2: Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. And for my listeners, if you hear a little bit of noise, it's because they are actually in Mexico right now. Now And we're talking on Skype. So hopefully that won't be too distracting. Now for the two of you, before we get into medical tourism, I have a couple questions. You retired at age 38. How did you decide to retire so early?
3: Well, actually, uh, we were sort of squeezed into it. We were both working very hard, 60, 80 hours a week in our um, different careers, and we found that we weren't spending enough time together, and it was affecting our relationship. And Billy had this idea, well, what if we sold everything and retired and started traveling the world? So it was really his idea. And so he wrote it all out on the back of an envelope, and we took two years to sort of see if we could live on what our financial investments would produce. And we could, so we took the leap.
2: Now that sounds really similar to my other guest, Wendy. And the the difference is is that Wendy and her husband did not make it. They wound up getting a divorce. So, so it sounds like Billy was the one who wanted to move outside the U.S. Is that correct?
0: Our original move was to Nevis in the Caribbean islands, a Nevis St. Kitts Federation. And we had traveled there before on on Windjammer cruises, and we are both uh, pretty driven people. And so I wanted to go someplace where it is so slow, you're on island time. And so that was the reason we chose Nevis. And we stayed there for six months just to wind down so that we didn't jump into something else that we didn't want to do and get caught up back in the U.S. Then we we traveled through the Caribbean and, and ended up going back to California, bought a fifth-wheel trailer. And then we traveled throughout the western U.S. we did that for a couple of years. And then we were invited to come to Mexico. And our original plan was to stay two months in Chapala, Mexico. And we stayed four years. And at that point, we realized that we needed to do more international travel while we were young and able. Because we could always go back to the RV scene in the U.S. We know what that's all about
2: at this point. Yeah, I actually had a guest on the show that talked about how to live in an RV. There's lots of... Right, right. It's 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 a different lifestyle. So that probably prepared you for the move outside the U.S. Is that correct? Well,
3: we're both travelers. It's one of the things we had in common when we first met as, as 20-somethings is that we both like to travel. And to our surprise, when we decided to leave the working world, not everybody is like that. We thought everybody wanted to travel, but actually, no, that's not true. So we did have that as a base uh, in our in our relationship that we both like to travel. So we both jumped in with two feet with this world travel stuff.
2: It seems to, we seem to adapt to it quite easily. Both of you like to travel, but there's a difference between traveling and living. Was that Billy's idea or was that Acacia's idea?
3: You know, when Billy first brought up the idea of selling everything and traveling the world, the thing that did hang me up was I'd have to get rid of my house and I wouldn't be around my family and that sort of thing. And so that emotional stumbling block was a bit of a a challenge for me. But, you know, I realized that I wasn't my house and that I really wanted to see the world and engage in other uh, cultures and that kind of thing. I visit my family every year and that sort of thing. So I still do the family stuff. And yeah, I guess Philly was more the person that pushed it in that direction. But I mean, I was a willing accomplice.
2: I many times will tell people that if they get rid of stuff, move to a cheaper place to live, even outside of the US, that they can have a good lifestyle, even if they failed to plan. Because I don't know if you know this, but I was a financial planner for years and years and years, not to the wealthy, but to the middle class. The stumbling block is always, I don't want to leave my family. So it, it sounds like you took care of that by coming, you know, and visiting everybody once a year. I mean, how long do you stay? How, how do you get over that hump? I want to watch my grandkids grow up. I don't, I, I don't want to live in Mexico or Philippines or, or wherever.
0: Yeah. I think this was more of an issue back in 1993 when we first retired because when actually we retired in 90, but, um, 93, we moved to Mexico for a while, and that was that was difficult because long distance calls were two dollars a minute at that time. There was no Skype, there was no FaceTime, there was no computers at that time, and so that was a challenge for us back then. That's one reason why we originally started our re- our website, retireearlylifestyle.com, was for our families so that they could see what we were experiencing, and so we would write these stories and add photos to them and they would be able to live our experience. And then what happened is they started sending it to friends as computers took over. So we had a free website at that time and it started crashing. And so we we found like we were onto something here.
2: I want to hear from Acacia because it's usually the women. And I love what you just said, Billy. I love the fact that you said, we've got this website, we can communicate. But what I'm finding is that we as women, the the women are like, I want to be able to touch them. I want to be able to touch my family. So, Acacia, how did you deal with that?
3: What I wanted to to say is that it's so much easier now than it ever was when we first started. And people, sometimes women have children who get jobs in another state and the grandchildren go into another state and there's not a whole lot of difference between the child moving away with the grandchildren because of a job opportunity or the grandparents moving away because they want to travel or live somewhere else. And the Skype and the FaceTime and the emails really do close that gap. It's not the same as living in the same town, but, you know, we have friends that have moved to the same town that their children moved to because of a job opportunity. And what happened? The kids got another job opportunity in another state, and so it ended up being the family, the grandparents were following the kids around and it just didn't work for them they couldn't be following the kids around forever i do go home once a year for about a month or six weeks and i catch up on all the you know the family time that i can i work in their garden i cook their food i paint their house all that kind of stuff so i do get my fullness of the
0: family when i go visit and when we were working you know really how much time did you have to visit the relatives i mean a couple hours on saturday or sunday night so with our lifestyle we we can go to the and live with them for a month at a time, and you know experience breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, and the ups and downs of everyday living and things of this sort. So we feel like it added quality to our relationship with our families. Plus, we were able to give afterlife care. Not a, end of life. End of life
3: care. Oh, I was
2: me. I was trying to figure out what that was. What is afterlife care?
0: My mom's in my head.
2: (laughs) Like, did you go to church a lot, or what did you do?
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, listeners. No end of life care
2: (laughs) No, no, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, hey, we're all human, right? And that's what makes it fun. (laughs)
0: That's right. But anyway, that, that was really special for us. We could have never done that. My background was in finance as well, Kathy, and so you know how many hours you put into that. I was a branch manager of a brokerage house. So you know what that takes. and and just to be able to spend quality time with our with our parents, our aging parents, and be with them in their final six months or or year of their life was that's something that is very special to both of us.
2: Well, I am so glad that you were able to do that. And I'm a big believer in taking a look at what you want your lifestyle to be. That's the whole reason why I started this show. And, you know, we don't talk about money on this show, really. But you and I both know that money does factor into, what kind of lifestyle you're going to have. If you have done no savings, if you only have $35,000 saved and you used to make $150,000 a year, your lifestyle is going to change when you retire. But what so many people don't realize is that there are other places where you can live. Now, I live in San Diego, one of the most expensive places to live. And we could easily sell our house and go live somewhere in the U.S. for a lot less money. Consider what kind of lifestyle we could have if we went and moved to Cuenca, Cuenca, Ecuador. So there are a lot of places. And listeners, if you're looking at international lifestyles, there is a magazine that you can subscribe to. Are you aware of that, Billy and Acacia?
0: International Living?
2: Yeah, International Living. And so you can talk to people who are doing it. You can read their articles. And you can decide, okay, well, maybe I don't want to move to Mexico, but maybe I would want to consider Belize because they speak English there. So there are a lot of things that you can do. So that was my next question. You're out of the country, out of the US, and it sounded like it was Billy, but Acacia was a willing partner in this. How did you deal with the culture shock? Now, I know that was a long time ago. But there's culture shock whenever you move. I mean, if I moved to Texas right now, I'd be going through culture shock. So how did you deal with that?
3: We found it to be an invigorating challenge. We enjoy that kind of stuff. We like food. We like, I mean, my major in college was anthropology. So I love people and I love cultures and different religions. And we live a National Geographic style of life. And we really, yeah, you know, I mean, we didn't stay in like grass huts or anything, <laughs> We visited people in grass huts, but we really enjoyed um, the culture and uh, the kind of food they made and, and how they raised their children and the languages they spoke. And what we loved was just communicating with sign language and with our eyes and smiles and hugs and children. And I mean, for us, it was like a fulfillment of a dream. So the kind of culture shock that we experienced was like when we first moved to Mexico, it was hard to find chocolate or hard to find a good hamburger. That's not so bad, but it did. It was kind of hard. But it, it's relatively mild compared to all the the joy and the benefits that we were able to enjoy.
2: That's right. They have chocolate there, but it's not our chocolate, right? It's it's this weird, like cinnamony chocolate. <laughs> they have they have
3: great. Yeah, they have chocolate that they make hot chocolate out of, but they had no baker's chocolate. So if you wanted Giardelli's brownies to make at your house, you couldn't find that.
2: Right. Yeah. And if you want it now, I'm sure you can get it, but it's going to cost import fees, you're going to have to pay more for it.
0: Even though we're in Mexico right now, we just got, we've just been living in Guatemala for the last five or six years. And where we live in Guatemala is right in the heart of the Mayan culture. And I don't know how much more culture you can get than having people walking around in, in native dress and carrying bundles on their head. It's, it's a fascinating experience.
2: That must have been awesome. but But also culture shock.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's culture shock for us or them.
2: Right, both. And you're probably now over in Guatemala there are they shorter over there or is that Mexico?
0: Shortest woman in the world.
2: Right. And so I'm 5'2", but I feel tall when I go into some of those Latin countries. I'm like, woo-hoo, I'm tall now.
0: You can play on the WNBA there.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. If I if I could play basketball, <laughs> which I can't. <laughs> now, have you made friends in these other countries or do you hop and hop and hop and hop? Or do you ever stay anywhere long enough?
3: We make friends everywhere we go. The, that's one of the things that we enjoy so much. We get to know our neighbors, the, the um uh, vendors of stores whatever they're selling the fruit vendor down the corner everywhere we go whether it's Thailand or Guatemala or Mexico and even when we go on a vacation we do make friends everywhere we tend to stay anywhere from a month to a couple of years in any location so it sort of depends and we get involved in the community Billy built tennis courts he imported a basketball scoreboard for the gym you know I've worked with the local women in some of their products so yeah we I make friends everywhere and some of my best friends are actually from other countries
2: i love that now billy and acacia we're going to take a short break so right now we're speaking with billy and acacia from retire early we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back
1: how many books do you need Hi, this is Lisa Woodruff, and I'm a professional organizer and productivity expert, and I'm tackling the tough topic of how many books do you really need today? Books are a touchy issue. People love their books. They're like little children, and they don't want to let them go. I know I'm an avid reader, and it was really hard for me to declutter some of my books, and I still have three full bookshelves. But what I found when I started was I had about eight bookshelves worth of books. How many books do you have? Step one is to start consolidating your books into less bookshelves. So if your bookshelves are sort of full, go ahead and pack them full of books. And let's have less bookshelves of books. And start looking towards creating a library of books versus using books as an ornamental decoration. As you consolidate your bookshelves and run across books that you will likely not read again or give to a friend, go ahead and donate those to the library. You can still check them out yourself and read them later if you change your mind. And finally, now's the time. You're rocking your retirement. So spend that time rereading your favorites and reading the books you never got to the first time. Check out the Organize 365 podcast for more on how to get organized as you rock your retirement. Welcome back. We're speaking with Billy
2: and Acacia Caterly from retireearlylifestyle.com. Billy and Acacia, welcome back. Thank you. We were just talking about all the fun things that you were doing, building tennis courts and working with women. But really, what I wanted to talk to you about was the medical tourism. How does that work? Because a lot of people, when I talk to them about living overseas, they say, oh, they don't have good medical over there. I don't know if I want to move over there. They don't take Medicare. What do I tell them? What? How do you deal with that?
0: It is so easy. You know, what we've discovered is that people all around the world have got two arms and two legs and a head. And there's doctors that can that know how to treat all of these things just like they do in the U.S., Many of the doctors in the U.S. are actually trained outside of the U.S. So this is never a concern of ours. We think that the care we get outside of the U.S. is better than what we get inside of the U.S. and at a fraction of the price. I can give you an example right now if you would like to. Something that happened to me recently.
2: Yeah, I'd love it.
0: We came to Mexico about five weeks ago, and I was having started to have an issue with a crown that was done a few years back. Mm -hmm. And so I popped into a dentist that I just saw a sign on the street here. And she got me right in the chair, took a look at it, and said, you need your crown replaced. I said, okay, let's do it. So she had another dentist come in, perform the, removing the old crown, prepped the new one, took the uh, mold, and four or five days later, I went back, and I had the crown inserted. Then about a week later, I had my teeth cleaned, and the dentist that cleaned my teeth was a different dentist, and she said, you have an infection. And I said, okay. She goes, you need to see a specialist. So she sent me to a specialist. I went there. He said my tooth needed pulled. I went back to the guy that put the crown on. He said, don't pull it. I can fix it. He spent some time with me. Long story short, he fixed it. I saw four dentists in in a month, and the total cost was 4,900 pesos or less than 250 US dollars.
2: Wait a minute. 4,900 pesos, which is about 250 bucks? Right. You're kidding. No. I think in the US it would be $4,900. Most likely. Or more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For all right. that. Right. Wow.
0: I had the same dentist price me an implant today when I saw him on the street and he said, oh, it depends, he said about eight to 10,000 pesos, which would be, which would be about $500 on the upper end.
2: Wow. Now you must speak perfect Spanish in order to get all this service. Like how would I go do that? I, I don't speak any Spanish.
0: Okay. Well, where we're at right now is called Chapala, Mexico, Lake Chapala to be specific. And in this area, is the largest expat community in the world. And there is a bunch of gringos, meaning uh, Americans and, and Canadians who spend a lot of time here. English is spoken just about everywhere. We try to speak as much Spanish as possible because that's who we are. We try to get close to the local people. But like when I get stuck with my dentist, because I mean, that's a dental procedure. You know what I'm saying? I want to know what's going on. We would We would communicate in English. Medical people speak English. Medical
2: people speak English. Is that because a lot of them were trained in the U.S.?
0: No, it's because they were trained in major universities. Like the University of Guadalajara is a major medical school, and it's an hour away from here.
3: And English is the business language around the world. Yes. So if you're going to be a professional, whether it's a lawyer or a doctor, it really benefits your career to learn English.
2: So you've never had any trouble communicating with anybody when you're overseas overseas? No, not in Thailand, not in Guatemala,
3: not in Mexico. In our experience, no. And you know, actually in Thailand, they give you a woman who is a translator and that she goes with you. She wheels you around in the little wheelchair and she translates everything the doctor said, that you say to the doctor and the doctor says back to you. So if that particular specialist doesn't speak English, she is hired for that specific purpose and she costs about a dollar for that service for your particular time in the hospital that day.
2: So you get a translator for a dollar. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is amazing.
0: It is amazing. <laughs> and, and in, uh, and in <laughs> Thailand, and what, I, what I tell people, people ask us medical questions is, is the big deal and it has been for years for us. And people ask me, what do we do? I say, well, the best medical insurance you can have. It's a $1,000 airplane ticket to Bangkok, Thailand. (laughs) It's the best hospital in the world.
2: Well, but what if you're sick, you don't want to fly for 15 hours or whatever while you're sick.
0: Then you go to local people. But I mean, if you you really want to be checked out, it's like the Mayo Clinic of Asia.
2: So the best medical tourism in the world is to Thailand?
0: They've got one of the best hospitals in in the world.
2: Wow. The medical
0: tourism is really
3: catching on for a lot of these countries because they've got good medical care, and they realize that the U.S. has this challenge in terms of receiving good care for a good price. And as we baby boomers age, they realize that this is a market, assisted living, medical care, and so on. And so they are building buildings, building hospitals, all the the dentists, the plastic surgery, the heart doctors and so on you can go to costa rica guatemala mexico
0: and um, you always know what it's going to cost before, before you, start. you buy it
2: oh you know in advance what your medical procedure is going to cost
0: exactly in thailand they sit you down in front of a computer it's like a it's like ordering on a restaurant menu would you like this test do you want this the doctor wants this okay and as, as is they're checking off boxes the totals changing at the bottom
2: Wow. Okay. So, so I'm trying to organize this in my head because you're telling me so much, you're providing so much information. I love it. Let's say I wanted to get a gallbladder out or something. I, I hope I'm saying that right. I've never had my gallbladder removed, but, <laughs> but <laughs> let's say I want to okay. do that. I don't want to
0: have one put in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And let's say I wanted to try out this medical tourism. How would I go about that?
3: Okay. Let me just explain. We have a page on our website. It's preferred links pages on our website from the homepage of Retire Early Lifestyle. And you can click on that medical tourism page and there are lists of hospitals and sites to hospitals. So you would click on one, say you want to go to India or say you want to go to Thailand or you want to go to Guatemala. So you would click on those countries and the hospitals that are in those countries. And then you can go on their website and they will let you know what procedures they do. They introduce you to the doctors. Sometimes you can call them directly. They'll email you. Most of them have a list of regular services, common procedures with the price listed next to them angioplasty, colonoscopy, dialysis, dental care, you know, and then you'll have all of the prices right next to them in their local currency or translated to U.S. dollars. And then if that doesn't work for you because maybe you're afraid to travel alone or you're not feeling well or something, some of these organizations provide companion care or they will take everything from from door to door. They'll get you the taxi to the airport, to another taxi, to the hospital, and fly you back home
0: again.
2: So they provide door-to-door service, a lot of them? Some of some them do,
3: do yes. absolutely. In fact,
0: some of them put you up in a, in their, in a place or, or their residence with you.
2: Wow. So it's really like a concierge doctor. Yes. Yeah,
3: some of them offer concierge services. Like in Bangkok, there are hotels that are right next door to the Bumrungrad Grad Hospital. And so the family can stay right next door if the other family member is in the hospital and they can just go back and forth in that way.
2: Wow. Okay. So...
3: Back to
0: your gallbladder.
2: Yeah. Back to my gallbladder. How would I figure out which country I wanted to go to?
0: Well, see, in that case, that's, it's probably going to be an acute situation. And so that's probably not your best choice to be planning out a trip that you're going to make in ten days from now. Uh,
2: okay let's let's do something else. How about a tummy tuck? What if I wanted oh, to get a absolutely tummy tuck?
3: easy, easy, or knee replacement, hip replacement?
2: Well, let's say I want to get a hip replacement. How would I figure out which country I should go to, and? I, I have no idea where even to start. How how would I do that? We started
3: our uh, medical tourism page.
2: <laughs> okay, so and that is retireearlylifestyle.com?
3: Right, and it's on the preferred links pages, and then of those preferred links pages, they're all in alphabetical order, and you would click on medical tourism, and there's lists of hospitals there, and lists of concierge services, and so then what you would do is click on the hospital and find out the prices and go from there. I mean, some you know some countries. You know, like you were mentioning, you might not want to fly for fifteen hours. So instead of going to Bangkok, maybe you'd rather go to Guatemala, which is six or eight hour flight, you know what I'm saying? So you could you could choose some location.
2: Okay. So I would go on the website, I would click on the hospital. So there's really not a resource where I could click on tummy tuck.
3: <laughs> the best. Um, you probably could. You could probably Google Tummy Tuck Medical Tourism and then they would list hospitals or clinics that would do that service. Plastic surgery. Yeah. Plastic surgery is big in Costa Rica.
0: And in Thailand. uh, We've had procedures done in all these countries. We've had colonoscopies done in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We've had major eye exams at Buckingham Hospital in Bangkok. Uh, Keisha almost lost her finger a few years ago in, in Guatemala.
2: Oh my gosh. What happened? I was uh, disembarking from
3: a a bus, and at the time, I was wearing my mother and father's and grandmother's wedding rings, you know, because they were all passed on as my souvenir from them, and my rings got caught on like a screw or some kind of hook or something, and when my body weight went down to the ground from the last step, it sliced my finger and it degloved it, and so my skin, yes, it was horrible, my skin was all the way up to the Past the fingernail, and you could see the bone, and I had cut my um, artery. Mm. So, long story short, I had to have you know veins regrown and surgery and plastic surgery and so on. And I used um, some of the best plastic surgeons in the country, and my finger works fine now.
2: Oh my goodness! Oh, that I can't even imagine. But everything worked out. Yeah, everything worked out yeah. fine. And you know, it's funny the the culture here in the U.S. You would have had people telling you to sue the bus, right?
0: <laughs> he was long gone <laughs> you're off that bus they're gone they're not sticking around
2: <laughs> but you know I mean the culture is different the culture is different here we would sue the bus company over there it's like okay I better find someone to fix my finger so it works
0: yeah, you, you know we, we love the United States we're, we're Americans and, and you know, we do love our country but, but the health care up there is really really just a total wreck I'm talking about the care I'm not talking about the system. The system's even worse than you care. But I mean, to, to to call a dentist and you're going to get in if you can get an opening, what, in a month? I walk in off the street here. Any of these procedures we've talked about, we came in off the street and had them done. We got attention right away. You're not going to get that. Our brother-in-law just went to the Emergency room three nights ago and spent two hours waiting to be seen. Yes, he needed his, his gallbladder taken out.
2: Oh my gosh, that was a bad example I used then. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and this just happened three or four nights ago. And, <laughs> and, I mean, this is unheard of in these countries. You get emergency means emergency, and being cash on the barrel, paying the people, we're moved to the top of the line.
2: So you live overseas. You don't even have to live overseas. Like I could go to, where did you say was the best place to get my tummy tucked? (laughs)
3: Maybe Costa Rica. They're known for plastic surgery. But is great too. I could go
2: to Costa Rica or Guatemala and get my tummy tucked. Just go to your website, retireearlylifestyle.com and search for the preferred links and find the hospitals in Costa Rica, right? And so, hey, so I have another question for you. Billy, you were a financial guy. Am I going to be able to write all this medical work off on my taxes?
0: <laughs> I'm not a tax attorney.
2: <laughs> I'm guessing the answer is no, right? Well,
0: it depends if you use it in your travel. I mean, is it is that a professional thing for your uh, looks, like a facelift or oh, something like this? Oh, yeah,
2: you're, you're thinking here, aren't you? You're thinking. Oh, I, always,
0: I mean, if you're a bikini model, yeah.
2: Well, I'm, I'm guessing most of my clients are not. <laughs> so They probably... <laughs> Probably can't. And Medicare is not going to cover it either, right?
0: Medicare will not cover anything outside of the U.S. But I think if you find the price difference would be so great and the ease of access and the concern of care far outweighs waiting forever. I don't think that something like that's not going to be covered by Medicare anyway, is it?
2: Oh, a tummy talk? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. No, but some of the other things like the, the finger issue and all of that probably would have been. I'm just trying to bring up examples so people can get an idea of, you know, what would be covered and what wouldn't and, and I can tell you that my husband and I were at a at a clinic the other day because he's got a medical condition that requires that he go in every three weeks and they were late. They're usually not late, but this time we were two hours late and I wound up having to cancel an appointment that I had with a good friend of mine who was visiting from the East Coast because I could not make it because I was with my husband. So you're right. You probably do get better medical care outside of the U.S. I'm going to have to make sure that my husband listens to this episode.
0: <laughs> Very good. Very good. Hey, what's there to lose? I mean, uh... You go, you go take a vacation, and meanwhile, you check in some places and start talking to doctors.
2: That's right. Absolutely. I, I totally get it. You know, you have been so helpful talking, because there are a lot of fears. People have a lot mm-hmm. of fears about going overseas, whether it be for medical care or just because they don't want to be felt up at the airport. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, i tell you what, that only happens in, I don't want to say only happens, but mostly happens in the U.S.
2: When we travel between
0: these countries down here. There's no taking off your shoes. Sometimes they want us to take our laptop out, but not very often. It's a lot more relaxed.
2: Well, that might make some people feel more comfortable or it might make some people feel worse. I don't know.
0: I agree. I understand. (laughs) I understand. Whenever I question anybody in TSA, they always say, you know, it's for your safety.
2: Right. It's always for our safety. Right. Right. But, But you know what? It's because of our age. So I remember when I was in college, I was part of this club. And we used to have to go to different cities, different states to do, what do you call it, contests. It was DECA. Are you familiar with DECA? So it's a mid-management club. And so we would travel to other states to compete and they would purchase the tickets six months in advance, whatever it was, to get the cheapest tickets in just anybody's name. And then anybody would travel on those tickets.
0: (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. Those those were the good old days.
2: The good old days when you could just hand your ticket to somebody and say, Here, use this. You can take that. Yeah, those days are over. We older people remember these things. We remember when you didn't have to walk through a metal detector or a scanner at the airport. We remember when we could bring our own soda onto the plane.
0: <laughs> right. I think we, got us, we were in China, we were in western China a few years ago and we went through the, you know, the airport check-in and we go to go through the metal detector. And where you put your carry-on through the belt, you know, and through the x-ray. And there's a big sign on the x-ray machine says out of order. Oh, no. It's like, like
2: they should just leave it on and not tell anybody. That's funny. (laughs) That's hysterical. I love it.
0: (laughs) And it it was in English, of all things, which seemed very odd to us.
2: Maybe you were on one of those funny shows where they were just showing your expression when you saw that sign. (laughs) Perhaps. Oh, so anyway, okay, let's see. I've got my list of questions here. I want to make sure I don't forget anything. I also wanted to make sure that my listeners were aware of the fact that you have been so gracious. You are answering some of our questions now, but you've got this great freebie called Top 10 Questions and Answers on Medical Tourism. And let me tell you, I'm going to take a look at that. You can get that by going to rockyourretirement.com slash medical tourism. So thank you both, Billy and Acacia, for putting that together. We really appreciate it. If my listeners want to contact you, how would they do that?
3: They can go to our website directly. (laughs) We also have an email address and that's called theguide at retireearlylifestyle.com. We answer all of our emails. We have a Twitter account and a Facebook account. You can get to our email address right off of our homepage. We have a blog there's lots of ways to get you can, you can Google us. You can find us that way, too.
2: Okay. Now, people who are listening to this show are usually, it's a podcast, so they're usually jogging or doing dishes or whatever. So would you say the best way to reach you is on the website? Absolutely,
0: yes, far. We answer everybody.
2: Okay, great. So you can go to that website at retireearlylifestyle.com. And I'm assuming that all of your other contact information is on that website as well? That's yeah. correct. Okay, great. OMG, this was twice the fun. So if you'd like to join the conversation with Billy, Acacia and me, head on over to the show notes at rockyourretirement.com and leave a comment. You can talk with me and other guests and listeners in our private Facebook group. You'll find that on the community tab of our website. So, Billy, Acacia, thanks so much for coming on the show. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement.
1: Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com.
2: review is by Vicki Claflin. She writes, less stress, more fun in your retirement. Kathy Klein approaches retirement in refreshing positive light. This is not your typical retirement podcast. Rock Your Retirement is practical, helpful, and fun in all caps. You'll learn a lot, but most of all, you'll learn that the best is yet to come. Thanks so much, Vicki. I really appreciate that. Wasn't that fun? I'd love for you to leave a review too, and if you don't know how, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash review, and that'll take you to a free video tutorial that shows you how. Oh wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116.